Now, I would like them to play the footage of what you and why a lot of people are upset with me right now. Wait a minute. This is just going to prove he's completely wrong. Everybody saw this. The world saw it. The Undertaker with that big boot. The chair right into Hulk's face. Now look. Look, he's looking right over the foot on the rope. You see that, don't you, JR? He saw it. Plain as day. How's he going to ride his way out of this? Come on, think of a big one. Give her the whopper. That looks like I made a bad call. It looks like I saw Austin's foot on the rope and still counted him out. Looks like it. That wasn't the case. Please play this next footage. What do you mean next footage? What's this? Well, this is, I think, the, the angle that Flair saw. The camera, this is Flair's perspective here. Look at the Undertaker's body, King. Where could you see the Undertaker's body? I mean, now that's what I saw. I wouldn't do anything in the world to hurt Steve Austin. I respect Steve Austin. I told him to his face he was the man. And he is. Hell, I like Steve Austin. Austin and I are friends. <laughs> and I want to take this opportunity in front of the whole world. Because Stone Cold is in the building tonight. So much to your regret. I want him to hear this from the bottom of my heart. Stone Cold, I apologize. Oh boy. That's the honorable thing to do. Well, that, that makes it all right. That's right. From the bottom of my heart. Everybody's giving Flair the cold shoulder. Everybody's ignoring Rick Flair. Also, oh, look out. Austin very predisposed here. Norman climbs those turnbuckles and salutes the fans. Yeah, but Austin knows that he should be the number one contender for the WWF title right now. But he knows he's not because of that man, Rick Flair. Rick Flair screwed you, Austin. You know he did. The King, he made a bad call in Austin. Giving these fans here in St. Louis. Uh-oh. I know the WWF title means more to Austin than, quite frankly, life itself. That's right. Get the sensors ready. Look. Flair can't even look him in the eyes. You're sorry? Oh, boy. You apologize? You made a mistake? You're standing right there. Telling me you made a mistake. No. Telling me you're sorry. No. I say you're full of crap.
You come out here, showing a little footage, flapping your mouth. The bottom line is, Stone Cold Steve Austin ain't the number one contender no more. You talk about the gospel. I don't hear no church bells. And the more you sit there and whine about the mistakes you made, the more you piss me off. Oh boy. Oh. Run, Flair, just run. Well, you can't even look at Austin. You might as well just turn your back and run. You said you made a mistake last night. Look at me. I said, look at me, you son of a bitch. Whoa. Wow, that's the owner of Raw. And Austin's talking to. Now he's looking. You said you made a mistake last night. What? You damn right. When you screwed Stone Cold, you made the single biggest mistake of your life. Oh boy, this is gonna be good. And I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what you're gonna do in the future. Uh oh. I don't give a rat's ass how many championships you've had. Whoa, 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 whoa. 16 championships. Whoa! Oh. He's a Hall of Famer. I did not mean to interrupt you. We got to set the record straight, man. I made an honest mistake last night. I did not bring the NWO down. I am not your enemy, Stone Cold. And I sure as hell am not Vince McMahon. Boy, they got that you damn right. right, you ain't Vince McMahon. Right. You don't look like Vince McMahon. You don't talk like Vince McMahon. You don't smell like Vince McMahon. But you know what? I'm starting to wish you were Vince McMahon. You know why? Because I'd rather deal with a some bitch that's gonna look me in the eyes and tell me he's gonna screw me than deal with a some bitch like you that's gonna look me in the eyes, shake my hand, pat my back, see how good of friends we are, turn around and screw me first chance he gets. That's telling like it is. That's what happened. So I got my eyes locked on them little beady eyes of yours. And since we're standing here in my ring, and we are in Missouri. Yeah. And this is, and this is the show me state. Since you showed me all your footage, Stone Cold Steve Olsen got something he want to show you. How about that? a big deal right there, JR. Damn right it is. I don't blame you for feeling the way you feel. If the shoe were on the other foot, I'd feel the same way. I screwed up. I've apologized. But in one night, I can make it all right. I can do the right thing by you.
Wait a minute, now what? Tonight, I can make sure the NWO never screws with Stone Cold again. I'm gonna take that other badass Texan, Bradshaw, make him your partner, versus the NWO. That's right! Tonight, Stone Cold and Bradshaw versus the NWO! Right here in St. Louis, Missouri. the rattlesnake hole. He'll look forward to a fight with the NWO. Austin Bradshaw gets the NWO tonight, but you've got to wonder what Austin is thinking. He still ain't the number one contender. That, ladies and gentlemen, was kind of it, it helps me set up what I was going to say for this episode. This episode is episode 69. Nice, by the way. Am I right? Huh? Come on. You know, I see you clapping hands with the boys. You know, you're like, yeah. You're knuckle bumping, fist bumping, and hand jiving all over the place. You know, you're you're wearing your your gun club shirts. No, sorry, acclaimed. You're wearing your acclaimed shirts, ain't you? I see you right there wearing your acclaimed Scissor Me Daddy shirts. Yeah. feel like that that should be the gun club. But it's okay because, you know, the opposite of Scissor Me Daddy would be Suck It. And then that would just be another way to stick it to the WWE. <laughs> Anthony Bowens is a fucking genius, and so is Max Caster, Platinum Max Caster. He is top-notch and amazing as far as him coming out and rapping to his opponents. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then maybe you should look up Platinum Max Caster on YouTube. He has a whole compilation uh a whole compilation like video of him rapping to his opponents before his match now what we just listened to aside from me going on about scissor me daddy um you know episode 69 nice my name is mocha and what you just listened to by the way was the episode that we are going to be presumably watching but even though I may have may not have spoiled a match you know provided that all of that audio picked up pretty good even though I may or may not have spoiled one of the matches on this card um, by basically showing you or letting you listen in on what happened the night after uh, Steve Austin got screwed over not by Vince McMahon but by Ric Flair of all people because Flair made, quote, as he said, an honest mistake. Um, 
when in April of 2002, he, for some reason, missed Steve Austin's foot being on the rope whenever it came to Austin kicking out or getting the rope break, rather, on the pinfall attempt that The Undertaker had made. When Ric Flair was the special guest referee. And also I want to take the just one second, one moment here to just address something. Brandon, if if that is your name, you know, you remember the whole meme about Brandon, right? I mean, I think that they were at a NASCAR event and then he said, uh, let's go Brandon. In this case, we're not going to be saying let's go Brandon. And I'm not going to be referring to Joe Biden's son, because if I was to do that, then the CIA might track me down. So, Brandon, and I can't pronounce your last name, because honestly, I can't read it. Um, So, you know, cheap pop on you for making fun of the, quote, West Virginians who can't read. Also, I wouldn't go to Ohio if it was the last state in America, because... Well, I'm pretty sure their stakes would blow ass. They suck as much as Taco Bell sucks. And if I wanted a good steak, I'd get it from your mom. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. That That's that's a low blow. If I wanted a good steak, I'd get it from a cow. That is your mom. No, wait. Hang on. Let me get this one. I know, I know, a few low-hanging fruit jokes. You you came on to my show. You disrespected me. Okay? I don't know how I feel about being disrespected in that manner. You hacked my show somehow. I'm still not sure how you did it, but that's alright. I can I can hire a hacker too, you know. I mean, I probably shouldn't be saying that <laughs> on the air, but it's not important. You know, pretend like I didn't say anything. Pretend like I didn't say a damn word. I don't even know why I'm acknowledging you because maybe you're not even worth my time. Maybe you're not worth the 10 seconds that I'm giving you on this program, on this show because I've got 75 paragraphs to go over uh, about uh, a marquee event <clears throat> and um I, I don't know how I feel about your show honestly but out of pity honestly out of pity I left you a five star review because I feel sorry for you Having such a low-grade show, you know, and um, not having one that has 12 reviews, if my count is correct, on Spotify, and only 11 out of 12 of those reviews, only 11, as of last week, are 5-star reviews. So, there's someone out there... One person, one person 
because before last week, whenever I checked, and I only had seven five-star reviews, not the 11 that I have, or, yeah, if I have 11 now, I had seven last week, right? So, <clears throat> try to keep up with me here. I had seven five-star reviews, and like two or three days ago, I looked at it, and it was updated from 7 to 11, and shout out to 7-Eleven, by the way, on episode 69, all these numbers, I'm practically giving you the lottery, but um, anyway, it went from 7 5-star reviews to 11, well, 12 reviews overall, but at least one of those reviews in order for it to be a full 5.0, 5, you know, star show, it would literally say 5.0 and then tell me in brackets the number of reviews that I've got to facilitate that 5-star review. This one, however, for some odd reason, says that I'm overall ranked 4.75. So there's a joker out there who actually gave me a one-star review. So 11 of my 12 reviews on Spotify. I, I don't know how to make this up. There's someone who listened maybe one or once or twice and... They didn't send me an email, they didn't send me a tweet, they didn't, like, tell me, you know, like, they give you a comment section, would you like to say something to, to the creator, you know, they didn't do that. So that means that, one, they're salty about something that I said, and then they're just like, oh, no, I know what to do, I'll just leave you one star review, you know, like, it's like the dislike button on YouTube. It's like, oh, I don't like this video. So instead of scrolling past it, you know, you just decide to hit the dislike button. You know, just to be a dick, I guess. And it takes away, I'm not sure, but I'm almost certain that it would take away a like. You know, I was told that they got rid of it, but on the interface that I have, I can still see it. I've never used it because I'm not a salty cuck like some of you are, but I can still see it. Anyway, the pay-per-view that we will be looking at, sorry about that, you know, little mini-tangent that I went on, I suppose. The pay-per-view that we will be looking at will be Backlash 2002. 2002. Um, Triple H and Hulk Hogan seem to be the focal point of the event because they are of course the main event and in the main event Triple H will face off against Hulk Hogan in order to um, defend his undisputed championship and Triple H says something here that I put in air quotes in this business there's only one goal to be the best and he's right to an extent Triple H is right in this business there's only one goal to be the best and right now I gotta say I'm looking pretty strong according to my Spotify wrapped by the way 
um, 93% of my content that I have created Uh, shit. Wish I would have screenshotted that. Oh, I have created more than 93% of people in my category. Is what it, is what it said. But that was like so long ago, so why would I even bring that up? Uh, I put a note here to compare Triple H's run to Roman Reigns' current day run. Uh, opening hype package mostly focuses on Triple H in, uh, being the champion, facing off against the challenger Hulk Hogan. Talk about how everyone keeps uh, turning on Steve Austin at this time. Uh, about the tag team match that Steve Austin got put in two weeks before his match against The Undertaker. No, it wasn't two weeks before this match that we will be discussing. It was actually what what um, Ric Flair was talking about. Hogan, uh, or how the NWO, at the open of the program, in case you missed it, the NWO um, and the big bad Texan Bradshaw will... Okay, so the NWO which is at this time made up of only two individuals because uh something happened with with uh Kevin Nash and uh Hulk Hogan at the time was sort of a hero to everyone again after his match with The Rock at WrestleMania <clears throat> I'm pretty sure Kevin Nash like broke his uh tore his quad or broke his uh femur bone or something like that. By the way, Kevin Nash recently his uh son died. I don't know what else to say about that cuz I don't know how he died or what happened. But everyone just keeps um practically turning on Steve Austin at around this time. Steve Austin seems to seems to think that there's a conspiracy even though he never comes out and says it he seems to be under the impression that everybody just doesn't want him to be the number 1 contender doesn't want him to be any sort of champion doesn't want him doesn't want him to uh be successful you know he doesn't come out and say it but it's it's almost certain that that's how he feels. Trying to stop him from getting a world championship shot. Uh, <clears throat> all of the things that have happened, however, are nothing more than a coincidence. As we go to our opening contest. Cruiserweight champion uh, to Jerry versus uh, Billy Kidman. And all throughout the match... The only thing that commentary can practically talk about, aside from the the wrestling match itself, that once in a while you'll you'll hear them comment on. All throughout the match, the only thing that they seem to care about is Tori Wilson. 
she's wearing what's called a genshin and a genshin is a um traditional japanese robe in which that uh women usually put on it's sort of a nightgown of sort and she's got her hair up uh with i guess they're chopsticks um which to my knowledge is sort of a chinese tradition to put your hair up in a bow and tie it off with the chopsticks or <clears throat> something i don't know what they're what they're actually referred to as but they look to be chopsticks or hair clips of some sort it's not important it's just what commentary keeps going on and on and on about oh i want to see some puppies boo-hoo boo-hoo me i don't get to see tori wilson's titties so that i can gawk at her and so that i can be like oh did you see tori jump did you see her bounce up and down oh my god shut the hell up It's just, other than that, um, Jerry Lawler on commentary will not shut up about Tori Wilson uh, covering up in a Genshin, um, talking about traditional Japanese robes that women usually wear around their house at night. New champion and Michael Cole gives an interview, but how in the hell are we supposed to understand without a translator at ringside? Um... <clears throat> what the hell it was that Tajiri just said but I guess they didn't prepare for that but I gave it three three out of five stars because for a uh, cruiserweight championship opening contest it seemed to be uh, quite high-flying quite um, um, all over the place you know all kinds of action yes back forth oh look at that cartwheel oh look at that uh, Irish whip in and out of the ring, in and out of the ring, poison mist, oh, hurricanrana, drop kick, drop salt, oh, uh, atomic drop, uh, elbow drop, you know, a lot of drops coming in and out of the match, but I'm not dropping the star rating on this contest, and hopefully you don't drop your star rating on this podcast, unless, of course, you drop a five-star rating on this podcast. Yeah, I just thought of that. <clears throat> As JBL goes one-on-one -on -one against the NWO's Scott Hall, may he rest in peace. <clears throat> new world, new world, new world order. Hall wins with a roll-up low below. I give it three out of five stars. Just two big hosses. That's all that they are. Bradshaw, the big Texan, uh... Facing off against uh, Scott Hall, and I don't know where he's from. I was told Italy, but I don't think that that's right. <laughs> I honestly did not pay attention as to where Scott Hall's from. He might be from Detroit, Michigan, for all I know. But back when he was Razor Ramon, he used to talk in like this Italian accent. Hey, Chico. Let me tell you what I'm going to do to Jake Roberts tonight. First, I'm going to, you know, he would like talk in what seemed to be a Caribbean accent or an Italian accent. That's my 
best way to describe, you know, I don't know much about Scott Hall, though. The story of this next match is that Kevin Nash has been suspended indefinitely without pay by Raw owner Ric Flair, and the rivalry apparently started when the NWO made a mess of the APA's office. APA chants ensue, and I give it three out of five stars. Vince McMahon walks into the office that Ric Flair is so happens to be in, and he praises Ric Flair. Says how he likes his style, but he has to learn one thing. No matter what you do for your employees as their boss, they're... I mean, it's never going to be good enough. So, Rick, or, uh, Vince McMahon practically tells, uh, practically tells, uh, Ric Flair that no matter what you do for your employees, it's never good enough. Um, you know, they always want more. They always want to, to just take and take and take, and they never want to give back. And, you know, as an employee, myself, of Walmart, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I want to do. I just want to take and take and take. And you want to know what I'm giving back? Just so we're all on the same page here, I'm giving back my time. Even though I can't stand the place, you know, I can't stand to be near it. Or for that matter, I don't even shop there anymore. I'd rather shop somewhere else. But I'm there. I'm working. I'm doing everything in my power to make sure that as long as it's I'm responsible and on the clock to be there, that whatever needs to be done, whatever I'm responsible for, gets done. So I can agree with Mr. McMahon on one thing, but on another thing, I can't exactly agree. Because they never give you enough. So as an employer, Mr. McMahon, maybe you should give a little bit more rather than just complaining about how much your employees take from you. And, of course, he says that they're never satisfied. Well, as a boss, you're never satisfied. You're never satisfied with my performance. You know, you're never satisfied with... It, never mind. It's it's pointless to argue this. <clears throat> and they're always greedy. Coming from a multi-million dollar company operator... Ric Flair has named himself the special guest referee for the Steve Austin Undertaker number one contendership match, which I just showed you a clip for in case you missed it or in case you need a refresher. I would advise you to go back, listen to the first nine minutes of this podcast once again. Um, I didn't feel like, you know, trying to set it up and then making you, having you listen to the clip. I thought it would be better, you know what, here's, here it is, boom, bam, thank you, I'm going to give you the context, give me a minute. But Steve Austin basically came out and then he said, you know something, you screwed me last night. 
Which basically is what happened. But he did it and it wasn't on purpose. As I said, mere coincidence. Um, for the heavyweight championship, then one or two weeks. Uh, okay, so what ended up happening was Steve Austin got named the number one contender. But then The Undertaker comes out. Maybe a week goes by, The Undertaker comes out. And um, he looks at Ric Flair and then he says, Hey, you know, why did Steve Austin get the number one contendership? I don't really think that that's fair. And The Undertaker says, if I don't get a number one contendership, you're going to get hurt. He doesn't come out exactly and say that, but it's implied. And um, Ric Flair said, you know what? You make a compelling point, Undertaker. So, you're the number one contender. So, of course, Steve Austin sees fit that there's a problem there. You shouldn't be given the number one contendership to The Undertaker. Steve Austin comes out and then he basically says, Hey, why'd you give it to The Undertaker? Does he intimidate you? Does... Because he rides that motorcycle? Because he's wearing that bandana? Because he has tattoos? Are you afraid of him? You know, practically... Whenever Steve Austin signed his contract... You know... How do I say this? Whenever Steve Austin signed with Monday Night Raw over SmackDown, he was promised a number one contendership. I guess you could call it a sign bonus or something. Ric Flair says he will never be like Vince McMahon. And then he refuses to shave... To shave? To shake Vince McMahon's hand. And then we go to the WWF Women's Championship match as the champion Jazz faces off against Trish Stratus. And I give it 2 out of 5 stars. Uh, commentary just keeps talking about how ugly Jazz is. Jerry Lawler says that she's one of those girls who doesn't get even prettier uh, before closing. I'm assuming it's a bar joke, but I've never been to a bar where my sister gets prettier the more drinks that I start to take. And of course, on my notes here, I put that because I'm making fun of drunk people. People who can just sit down and drink and drink and drink. And oh no, guess what? I gotta drink again and drink some more. You obviously have something wrong with you if you have to sit down and just drink and drink and drink. You know, psychologically, there's something bothering you. You're bottling it up, and you don't want to talk about it. So instead, you just... Well, here's a comforting drink, even though it's not comforting, and it's not doing you any favors. I want to say moderation is key, you know. I want to be Samoa Joe here, and... um practically poke fun at Jeff Hardy but I can't do that speaking of which Jeff Hardy has a match next um Trish Stratus versus Jazz two out of five stars 
commentary keeps pointing out how ugly Jazz is. I started to poke to take because drinking will not solve your problems. I, refu I refuse to face my problems. I presume... Yeah, rather than running from them, I would just prefer to face my problems face on. Rather than just... I think you guys get it. Paul Heyman makes sexual advances on Lita by holding her panties in his hand and giving her a request. Paul Heyman looks her in the eyes and practically says, You know, I am... I am the advisor for the next big thing Brock Lesnar. He says, And um, if you don't comply with what I want you to do, Lita, then... And he's... The whole time he's in her locker room he's trying to sniff her panties that he has in in his hand don't don't ask me why i'm assuming it's a fetish i've n never in my life done that but i've at the same time never been close enough to like you know sniff a woman's panties and on top of that i wouldn't really know i wouldn't really know why i would want to do that you know like where exactly what kind of position would I have to be in in order to be able to do that, you know? I'm assuming I would have to be a lawyer. And I would have to, like... You know, I'm setting up a knock-knock joke here, but I don't think that it's landing. Um. Anyway, he's holding her panties, and he gives her an ultimatum, practically a request. And she seems hell-bent on uh, just getting getting her lingerie back do you want to see your boyfriend get hurt do you want to see him suffer because I can I will see to it that Brock Lesnar breaks him in half the blood will be on your hands Lita not mine <clears throat> all because Lita refused to sleep with Paul Heyman in his official debut match, Brock Lesnar faces off against Jeff Hardy. And Matt Hardy could not make it because I think he was in the hospital from like what happened last week between Brock Lesnar and Matt Hardy because Paul Heyman brought a bag. He literally had a bag in the highlights that they showed of Lita's Lita's um, panties and he was like throwing them and sniffing them and either they were panties or they were thongs or something and Jerry Lawler was losing his crap on commentary he was like look it's a whole bag of unmentionables and of course you're the perverted old man you would know Lawler 
Edge versus Kurt Angle. Oh, and I gave Brock Lesnar versus Jeff Hardy one out of five stars. Uh, it's not very entertaining at all. It's just a one-sided beatdown to Jeff Hardy from Brock Lesnar. And a partridge in a pear tree. I mean... He seen to it that Lita's boyfriend got broke in half. Even though I don't remember Jeff and Lita dating, you know. Edge versus Kurt Angle. It was a very well executed match and uh, wouldn't be topped by their hair versus hair match the next month at Judgment Day. <clears throat> Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, uh, went on an undefeated streak whenever he first joined the WWE. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Edge was the one who beat him for the first time. Even though they don't exactly say it. They don't exactly say it here in the hype package. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's a loudmouth Canadian with long blonde hair that dresses like a rock star. You suck chance. Uh, clean pin off the Olympic slam and Kurt Angle wins. Um, and I gave it four out of five stars. It was honestly, like I said, well executed um, match. And is a great rivalry as far as I could tell. They're both, they both did some great work here. Edge goes for a spear, uh, Angle reverses it, uh, he puts his knee up, and after that he practically clotheslines him, picks him up, and then hits the Angle slam for the one, the two, the three, ding, ding, ding. The, the winner is, for a second there I thought that my notes, I don't know why. I, I just moved my mouse for no reason. I thought that my notes were on my computer. They're on my phone. Commentary is confused as to why Chris Jericho is coming to the ring. Uh, why he is not on the... Whenever he's not on the program. Literally what they say is, Well, this is neither... This is neither RVD... Or Eddie Guerrero. Because that's their next match on their program that they've got in front of them. Is their Intercontinental Championship match. When he is not on the programming uh, card. Even though it says cord. <clears throat> they have in front of them. Why is Chris Jericho out here? Uh, what is Jericho coming out of the ring for? Jericho comes to the ring. Uh, to protest that Hulk Hogan versus Triple H match. Later on tonight. Uh, pay close attention. Because this could come up a, a later on a test. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is something we like to call consistency. Now pay attention. Jericho's out in the middle of the ring and obviously is protesting about the, about the fucking, oh, why does Hulk Hogan get a championship match? He doesn't deserve it. He hasn't wrestled, he hasn't wrestled a championship match since 1983, which is what they bring up, the fact that Hogan hasn't had a, a championship match since like 1993 or 1983, they say one of the two. Uh, Jericho is incensed because less than 30 days ago he was the main event of WrestleMania 18, but now he's not even on the on their pay-per-view on their pay-per-view card, and it pisses him off. So he's gonna 
come out here and complain and possibly uh possibly hope that uh, something gets done about it Jericho says on his lowest on his lowest day he's better than every one of you and of course he's pointing at the crowd <clears throat> better than you so I, I was starting to see where MJF gets his attitude at you know if you if you pay attention because MJF come, coming out and he's saying, I'm better than you and you know it. <laughs> so, you know, MJF is quite the character. That's why they call this the heartland of America. Because there are no brains out here. Jerry Lawler says about Candace City. Because they're being disrespectful to Chris Jericho. And now we go to the match that we were supposed to see aside from Jericho coming out to, you know, give give some grievances. But pay attention. Chris Jericho coming out is going to come up later because he will interfere on the uh, uh, Hulk Hogan Triple H match. Eddie Guerrero versus RVD who is the Intercontinental Champion and this is for the Intercontinental Championship Quick question for my audience. Who did the frog splash first? Was it Eddie in WCW or Rob Van Dam in ECW? And apparently I got it wrong here. Because even though I just asked that to you, my audience, it's, this is where I bring up Brandon again. Apparently he knows who did it first. And he told me that it was Eddie Guerrero in ECW. Who did it before Rob Van Dam in ECW did it. In 1994. Which I thought. Okay. Okay big dog. Because he's always reading those damn books. So maybe. Maybe he's right. I mean maybe. Maybe Brando. That's what I'm going to start calling him. Is right. Rob Van Dam and ECW timeline run very similar and I still don't know who did the move first. So I pose the question to you, my listeners. Perhaps you know the answer, but if not, maybe that's a question for Lifetime or Fox's Unsolved Mysteries. On commentary, Jim Ross seems to think that the first person to do the frog splash in the WWF which was what it was called at the time, was D'Lo Brown. And the first person to do the frog splash other than D'Lo was Eddie Guerrero. But Eddie was doing the frog splash before he came to the WWF in WCW, if I remember correctly, and believe me, ladies and gentlemen, I do remember correctly. Something that I can't forget, you know? Unless I had, like, some disease that made me forget. Here's to hoping that I never get one of those. You know, amnesia. I get a question. If I had amnesia, though, I wouldn't be able to remember that I had amnesia. If I truly had amnesia. Here's looking at you, Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. 
keeps bringing up the fact that Shadow the Hedgehog has amnesia and sometimes has a plot hole where sometimes he can remember who he is and sometimes he doesn't know who he is and other times he knows exactly who he is and what motivates him and what brings him to where he's going and how he's doing things and because I recently watched a video not to take away from what we were talking about but keep in mind I'm extremely ADHD and whenever I see something shiny I go ooh shiny and I look over to the left and now we're off topic but anyway I recently watched a video about the plot holes of the video game known only as Sonic or Shadow the Hedgehog the video game and he's right amnesia doesn't just go away and then come back if you know what a goldfish memory is like, it's almost like instant. It goes away. Imagine being a fish. Imagine for a second you're a fish, okay? You're in a pond or something, and you don't have eyelid, eyelashes, eyelids, or whatever. And um, you have a three-second memory. How the fuck are you supposed to sleep? Imagine being an insomniac fish, for that matter. Not only would you be an insomniac, you would also have amnesia, and you wouldn't have eyelids. Good luck getting to sleep. But anyway, um... Jury Lore seems to th think RVD is the copy and Guerrero is the original. That the interesting question though, Eddie is putting on a clinic here using a lot of submission maneuvers in order to ground RVD because he knows how dangerous he is if he gets to a vertical base. The funny thing is, Eddie Guerrero is just as much of a high-flying athlete luchador style and I don't ever remember seeing Eddie Guerrero, um, <clears throat> remember seeing him be a technical wrestler like <clears throat> I'm seeing here. Because I remember him being a grappler, just not much of a submissions wrestler. You know, like he was a grappler and he does great, great grappling and, you know, headlock, uh, shoulder lock maneuver, uh, suplex, float over suplex, uh, get him in the corner, smack, smack, smack him around, you know, uh, rake him in the eyes, uh, atomic drop, a face buster, a bulldog, uh, uh, float over into a small package, you know, he's a great grappling superstar, is Eddie Guerrero, and his grappling ability is really strong, but never did I ever realize that Eddie could also be a submissions wrestler. It's some territory that I'm not used to him traversing. And I gave this match three out of five stars. Eddie Guerrero facing off against Rob Van Dam. We see a new Intercontinental Champion. Really entertaining, 
nice pace of a match that uh, made both men look strong and both men look really pull, uh, packed a lot of fun sports both men had a lot of fun spots rather um, really entertaining from ref bump Eddie pulls away with as the new Intercontinental Champion <clears throat> they talk about the Scorpion King the Rock's new movie well it was new at the time I mean it's not new anymore um, that's the highest grossing movie in motion picture history of all time keep in mind this was in 2002 not sure what the highest grossing is um, to this day but I do know that the Lorax apparently to do a video that I watched earlier this week is the sixth highest grossing animated film of all time 236 million dollars but this one uh, being the highest grossing uh, film of all time was uh, 36 million dollars was made in profit in one weekend Jim Ross says he's seen it and he says he quote wants to go see it again Bless your heart, Jim Ross. Why would you go? Why would you go see it again? You already seen it once. Just wait for the DVD. Special guest referee Ric Flair, who appointed himself special guest referee to ensure that no shenanigans, no tomfoolery, no fuckery, would ensue, would take place during the match to cost Steve Austin a fair shot at getting a number one contendership for the championship that Ric Flair promised him weeks prior that he ended up also giving to The Undertaker because The Undertaker intimidates Ric Flair to the point to where he wants to reward him? Question mark. After Steve Austin signed the contract that Ric Flair proposed, Steve Austin signed, stunned Ric Flair right in the middle of the ring walked away after he poured beer all over Ric Flair. <clears throat> so keep in mind, two things are happening here. One, The Undertaker is intimidating Ric Flair, who is the official to the match that The Undertaker and Steve Austin will be having, and Ric Flair is the official in that match. So with The Undertaker uh, practically intimidating Ric Flair, who is the uh, referee to the Undertaker-Steve Austin match, and with Steve Austin um, constantly disrespecting Ric Flair, he has ample reason to kind of like pull the rug out from underneath Steve Austin, which if you paid attention at the beginning of this program, that's exactly what he did. He pulled the rug out from under Steve Austin. I wanted to explain to you guys how Ric Flair pulled the rug out from under Steve Austin, but I stood, I sat here rather, and then I was like, how do I explain to them? So I found the clip the day after Monday, or the day after the backlash on April 22nd, 2002, which by the way was my birthday, 
they went ahead and just decided to put Ric Flair in the ring and make him apologize, say that from the bottom of my heart, Steve Austin, I'm sorry. Just practically say it, you know, he said that he was sorry. Steve Austin comes out and he says, well, your apology don't mean jack shit to me, you know. <laughs> oh, you all of a sudden you want to come out here and you're, you're sorry. He's like, I'll say you're sorry. You're sorry, son of a bitch, you know. But all throughout the match, Ric Flair, I don't even have to look at my notes for this one because I already watched this match three fucking times. But anyway, all throughout the match, Ric Flair's just constantly, he, he doesn't count whenever they're outside. He doesn't count whenever they're in the corner. He doesn't count, like, usually whenever you're a referee, you're supposed to keep a count. You know, how long are they holding the rope? How long are they in the corner for? How long are they outside for? <clears throat> and that's a five count. That's a ten count. You know, that's all these counts that you're doing is to ensure that if they go, if they get out of hand, that you're going to tell them, hey, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to disqualify you if this count reaches a five, you know? problem solved and had he would have been doing that had he would have been maybe doing regular referee things this wouldn't happen the match itself was an okay match as long as you take into effect that Ric Flair knows nothing about officiating a wrestling match at times it looked like Ric Flair could have been on the beach you know like he's like looking off into the distance and he's like what, where am I, you know? But Ric Flair tried to make sure that there were no shenanigans going to happen. And I gave it three out of five stars. And I would have given it a higher star rating. And I'm pretty sure the first time that I reviewed this match, I gave it four out of five stars. Um... And I would have given it a higher star rating. But the only problem with that is. I just couldn't. I just couldn't see past Ric Flair's terrible officiating. <clears throat> and also they ring the bell three times. They rung the bell once to start the contest. Before the announcer says. And this matchup is scheduled for one fall. Making his way to the ring. The Undertaker. They rung the bell. Uh. <clears throat> Once, uh, once the Undertaker's music hit, and then they rung the bell once after, um, Ric Flair got in the ring, and, um, he said ring the bell. The bell had already been rung, the match has already officially started, why do we have to spend time ringing the bell? Just, just start the match. You already rung it. Matter of fact, I'm going back to that, um, I know that I went on a small tangent whenever I talked about it before, but Shayna Baszler and Ember Moon, whenever I talked about that match, oh my god, that got me so riled. And, you know, I'm not like OCD, stop ringing the bell, you know, stop turning on the light, I don't know, it's, it's so weird, whenever you ring it twice though, once to start, and the second time to stop, you know? So, 
technically this match has already started once. It ended, I guess we took a five minute break, and after it started again. So anyway, what ends up happening is Steve Austin gets screwed because Ric Flair didn't see that. <clears throat> so his view was obstructed by the fact that The Undertaker was... um. You know, he's a very towering individual. So, The Undertaker obstructed the view, the literal point of view of um, Ric Flair. And Flair couldn't see that Austin had his foot on the bottom rope, which would have dictated a rope break. In any other scenario. Now, here's something else that really gets me. There's a tag team championship matches. A tag team championship match. They ring the bell twice before the match even begins. Or once before the match even begins. And then the second time they ring it. It's to start the match. Billy and Chuck versus Al Snow and Maven. Here's the, here's the thing that really gets me though. Why is this the co-main event? What was billed as the co-main event was Austin versus The Undertaker. So, I don't understand why that was the co-main event. <clears throat> and I gave it two and a half out of five stars. was entertaining, but not very much of a wrestling match. So much as it was Al Snow chasing wrestlers around the ring. Like, if you could have put that... Uh, if I had editing software, I would take this match and then I would um, blur everything out except for a spotlight showing Al Snow and whatever wrestler that he's choosing to chase around the ring. And I would play the chase music behind it. And I know you guys are confused. Chase music. What are you talking about? Okay, so hear me out. Maybe you've heard this one before. Oh shit, I can't even do it any good. Um I I can't I can't I can't find erectable source for it. I'm i I'm sorry. Oh my god. I guess look up chase music on on YouTube, hang on, maybe I can find it, maybe, maybe I can find it, uh, nope. Yes, I found it.
yeah hopefully you heard that loud and clear because I can't find my speaker so I planned on playing it over the speaker but I can't find the I found it but I guess it's not a you know what it, it is important for for you the audience episode 69 In case you missed it. Okay, so had it been me, like I said, uh, that Maven, uh, Al Snow, Billy and Chuck match, I would just go ahead and put the the chase music over it. That right there, it says, uh, I can't even read it, it's Y-A-K-E-T-Y. Sax music. <laughs> I I don't even know. I mean, I made the joke, and then I was hoping that he would be like the top search, you know, because every other fucking chase that I've ever seen that's been on a cartoon or something, I swear that always plays. But anyway, we go to our main event, as I gave, as I said, I don't know why that was the co-main event, you know, that stupid tag team match. Um, a couple little nuggets here on commentary before we go to the main event, which was Hulk Hogan versus Triple H for the uh, World uh, Undisputed Championship, but I'm just going to go ahead and call it the World Championship, because that's practically what it is. Um, you remember elementary school, JR, because your dad used to walk you to school because you and him were in the same grade. <laughs> okay, so, and then he's asking JR a question. He says, uh, do he and Billy ever get embarrassed whenever they walk into Victoria's Secret and ask, do they got this in my size? Of course, because they're flamboyant characters and the crowd is even chanting Rico's gay Rico's gay because Rico is apparently their hairdresser put that in air quotes hairdresser he's just some manager that shows up once in a while was entertaining but not see not much of a wrestling match a lot of Al Snow chasing people around the ring to that music. <laughs> Hulk Hogan versus Triple H, who is the champion. Um, all of the interference uh, given a very slow-paced match. Um, I would have to give this match a three and a half out of five stars. I did... I did till... It did tell a decent story, rather, and it did come to a halfway decent close. Uh, 
to a halfway decent close of an encounter and now by the end of this one pay-per-view by the end of like I said pay attention this is consistency and remember what Jericho said he didn't want Hulk Hogan to be the champion remember that well Jericho interfered he showed up he had a he had a chair in his hand and he bashed Hulk Hogan upside the head he knocked the referee out he said fuck you referee Ain't no rules around here stopping me from bashing Hulk Hogan, some 47, 48-year-old man at the time, upside the head with a steel chair. And after he did that, we thought for sure that Triple H was going to win. But you want to know what Triple H said? He said, I don't need your help, Jericho. And then he threw Jericho out, and he, he told Jericho to go home. Jericho was just mad because Triple H beat him at WrestleMania, and took away his undisputed championship. That's why Jericho didn't want Hogan to win, because he wanted to settle a score with Triple H. But in order to do that, Triple H had to still be the champion. On top of that, he talked all all day about the fact that Hulk Hogan doesn't deserve to be here. Hulk Hogan's nothing more than a washed-up has-been. And Jericho is not a has-been. And Jericho can beat any of you has-beens. Any of you jackasses. You know, Jericho just went on a tangent late, earlier on in the night. Um, <clears throat> but anyway... Um, not only did Hulk Hogan win this match, but he won thanks to the interference from The Undertaker. And The Undertaker's motives would later be shown to be that of the reason that The Undertaker did what The Undertaker did is because he wanted to screw over Triple H. And I guess, in hindsight, you could say a 40-some-year-old man is a lot easier to defeat at the next pay-per-view to grab the championship. In hindsight, he was trying to give himself an easier pass, you know? Like, maybe if I, Undertaker is a young, strapping man, right? Maybe if he can beat some old fart like, you know, Gerald Briscoe or Pat Patterson or Hulk Hogan... Then he's damn sure a shoo to become the WWE Championship. Or to b become the uni Universal? No. Undisputed Champion. Um, Hulk Hogan is our new WWF Undisputed Champion through hook or by crook. And The Undertaker will be facing him at the next pay-per-view named Judgment Day. So, what did we learn today? Well, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't learn a damn thing. But what I did learn is that if you're consistent, you can set up your next pay-per-view by only having one pay-per-view. Nowadays, it's almost like the officials over at WWE and WWE.com and the WWE office seem to think that it's funny to just slather peanut butter on a piece of bologna, spin their executives around and around and around and around while they're blindfolded, 
they they paint a big target on one of their executive walls and I've talked about this one this is an overdrawn out trope that I've talked about many different times on my YouTube channel they paint a big target on their uh, executive wall and then while there's while one person's spinning their executive around and around and around and they're playing these party games they're like all right Johnson whoever whoever's name you you hit with that piece of baloney um that's got peanut butter on it whoever's name that you can touch whoever's name touches the peanut butter um that's who we're going to give the next title shot to and then Johnson's over here and then he's going left and he's going forward and he's coming back and he's like oh is it going to be Sami Zayn uh, you're on Sami Zayn, and then he's like, I'm on Sami Zayn, and then they're like, yeah, you're on Sami Zayn, and then he goes, okay, Sami Zayn, that was a good game of uh, throw the baloney, you will play again, yeah, let's play again, alright, let's figure out what, what match that they're going to hold the title in, and then he does it again, he spins around in his little office chair, and Johnson's about to get dizzy and he's about to throw up and Triple H tells him hey if you throw up you gotta drink the tequila and he's like I don't want to drink the tequila and he's like well you better not throw up <laughs> they got this big party game going right and on the other side of the wall they got like I said another target and they've written like seven or ten um match types that don't specifically have any niche or for that matter have any continuity with something that Sami Zayn has, it's not like that the peanut butter that I previously mentioned touched uh, Jeff Hardy and they're going to touch the the other piece of peanut butter on the other side of the wall. I know it's it's a very long explanation. Whenever Johnson gets over to that other side of the wall, though, it's not like he's going to touch, you know... Jeff Hardy and then ladder match. No, no, no. Sami Zayn has no niche. So, I mean, you could just throw him in anything now. Over there, you got casket match. It's written. It's ambulance match over there. But you got to keep it within the PG confines. So, you know, if you hit ambulance match, somebody's got to pay a fine. Because there better not be any blood. Because the USA Network won't like that. And Johnson might get fired because he's the one that touched the peanut butter to the wall. Holy shit. Thank you all so much for joining me. This has been episode 69. My name is Mocha. Hulk Hogan won the WWF championship. Thank God that... Uh, thank the natures, rather. Thank the universe, what I should say. Thank the universe that it's finally spring slash summertime because I'm getting tired of this cold weather. That's going to be all for me this week. That's a wrap. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. That's a wrap.